Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. By now, you've probably seen this. Javon Bullard had a great thing to say yesterday as Georgia fall camp got started, kind of putting to an end, hopefully fully, finally, and completely, one of the more annoying off-season conversations you could have ever had. I regret going back in time on this kind of stuff too much, but if you want to understand how great what Javon Bullard said yesterday, and by the way, Javon Bullard's just great, period. Uh, MVP-level player for Georgia's postseason games a year ago, now kind of sliding, we think, from the nickelback star position over to safety. We believe immediately he kind of becomes one of the best safeties in the entire country just for making that switch. So uh, top player, but also a key leader here for Georgia and a guy that kind of throws the zinger right when you need it most, kind of silencing one of the most annoying competitors that Georgia's ever been forced to kind of do battle with when it comes to the Ohio State Buckeyes. So for some context here, Ohio State is still very much, as the saying goes, all up in their feelings about what happened near the end of the Peach Bowl uh, back in uh, December on New Year's Eve when Javon Buller made a good football play, clean hit to separate wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., who we honestly think is an outstanding player, one of the best in the country, maybe not as good as Brock Bowers, but still really very good. Uh, we think that Harrison's sensational, but on this particular moment in this particular game, uh, Buller just simply got the better of him, gave him a nice, strong, clean hit. Harrison could not hold on to the football. And unfortunately, and you hate when this happens, and I do truly hate when this happens to any player, uh, Harrison got hurt on the play. And ever since then, maybe Ohio State, the Big Ten folks, not quite being as comfortable with the physical style of play that really defines the SEC. You know, ever since then, the Ohio State folks have kind of thought that the play on Bullard should have been targeting. And part of the confusion there is the Pac-12 refs that day, uh, back when that league still had a chance of surviving, the Pac-12 refs initially did call the play targeting. They're also probably confused there as well because if the Big Ten doesn't know the SEC's physicality, the Pac-12 definitely doesn't know the SEC's physicality. So you've got a team from the Big Ten, some officials from the Pac-12. It took them a second looking on replay to realize that while Bullard hit Harrison very hard, you can't penalize him just for playing too rough. It was a hit below the shoulder. It was uh, Bullard leading with his shoulder. It's a good football play. That's what replay showed. But since replay didn't validate Ryan Day's feelings, Ryan Day has been out saying, well, maybe we need to do away with replay. If replay doesn't feel good about me, make me feel good about me, if replay doesn't doesn't validate my feelings, if replay introduced some facts that are uncomfortable for me, then maybe we just need to get rid of replay. Day said that the other day. Here's a reminder of Ryan Day and some of the whining that's been going on during this offseason. We're getting so much into the weeds on this that we've lost where we started on it. And what was the reason why we did this? To protect young men. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if someone's launching at somebody's head and they're unconscious on the ground, that's not what we want here. And so I think sometimes, you know, we get into these slow motion things and we start to get so, you know, caught up in the little details of everything. And it's not realistic sometimes watching it in slow motion. So I think there has to be some sort of a common sense. I think we have to still trust the referees on the field and what they see. They're there for a reason. And then if it's egregious, you know, one way or the other, then that's where this, the instant replay comes into play. But I think right now what we've done is we've just put so much into the instant replay mm -hmm. that what you see in you know a slow frame isn't really what's going on in the field. And uh, we have to go back to the common sense and why the rule is even put into place. 
I've said this before, a preference for politeness is not going to cause me to pretend that I have a level of respect for Ryan Day. I don't. That's simply one of the most embarrassing things you'll ever hear a coach say, that somehow slow motion replay is problematic because it doesn't validate uh, – you know, days prior assumptions about something. If replay shows him some facts that his feelings can't handle, the facts need to be ignored. That's conduct unbecoming a coach of the stature of someone who should be leading Ohio State. That's embarrassing by Ryan Day, although I don't know that he has the capacity to feel shame. And unfortunately, you know, teams take on the personality of their coaches. You know this, uh, that whatever a coach either 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 leads in the direction of or chooses to tolerate that's the way the player is going to behave there as well and while I don't have much respect for Day I've got bukus of respect for Marvin Harrison Jr. he's a truly great player my guess is he'll make as I've told you before 100 million dollars or something like that in the NFL this seems to be the kind of guy who thrives on Sundays and he's obviously thriving on Saturdays but unfortunately even an alpha dog receiver like Harrison sort of sounds like the kind of whiny wimp that Ryan Day is when he gets a chance to talk about this subject because uh, even Marvin Harrison Jr. Junior has been sort of left to kind of make excuses for how come Ohio State couldn't hold on to its lead and still win the game against Georgia on New Year's Eve. Harrison comes across no better uh, than Ryan Day based on some of the things that he said during the offseason. Uh, one more reminder of that for full context for everything that's gone on here. Do you guys feel like you maybe let one get away against Georgia? Yeah, we did. Uh, I think it came down to a couple of plays here and there towards the end of the game. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to play in that fourth quarter. If you had played, would it have been a different story in yes. the fourth quarter? Yeah, I think we go on to you know, win that game against Georgia, and I like our chances in the national championship. I said this the other day. Um, so Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh recently said that he thinks he's going to have 20 players drafted in the upcoming NFL draft, which is a just an absolutely asinine thing to say. But I'll take a hot take over something that could happen in the future – a hundred times out of a hundred over a hot take about some sort of hypothetical from the past that we'll never know. Uh, Marvin Harrison says, uh, listen, if I hadn't gotten hurt, we would have won that game. That's the sort of meaningless, worthless bluster uh, that people want to throw around sometimes, some sort of hot take about some sort of hypothetical from the past that can never be proven. I think Harbaugh's statement about having 20 guys get drafted is one of the dumber things you'll ever hear a coach say. Uh, you know, Clearly, uh, that's a remote long shot at best. But come April, we'll know one way or another whether he was right or wrong. In the case of Harrison, we can never know for sure. All we do know is it sounds like an excuse because what Ohio State didn't do was actually win the game that was played this past New Year's Eve, despite the fact they had a couple touchdown lead, despite the fact they had the ball at the end of the game. And uh, Day kind of turtled up as a head coach and a play caller in terms of the plays that he called, settled for the 50-yard field goal, kicker kicked it sideways, and then after that the ball dropped. It was uh, 2023, and we've been celebrating ever since. That's what we know happened in real reality, no matter what kind of hypothetical things that uh, Harrison thinks could have happened had he not gotten hurt in the game, had Javon Buller not played so rough. So that's the context here. You're aware of all of that. Then yesterday, Javon Buller got a chance to speak on behalf of the Georgia Bulldogs as Georgia spring, or not spring practice, Georgia fall camp begins uh, to get ready for the 2023 season. And our own Mike Griffith, I guess, was the one that asked the question to Javon Bullard of, what do you think about all this? Ohio State's still talking about it. Ryan Day, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., everybody up there in Columbus is still talking about the idea that Bullard made the defensive play of the game to separate Harrison from the football, and unfortunately Harrison got hurt on all of that. And Javon Bullard, who has said so many wise things over the course of his time at Georgia, maybe he said the most, the wisest thing that he's ever said of all. Certainly if you're a Georgia fan, you love all of this, because after Bullard said what he said, there is no more room for any Ohio State whining about anything ever again on any of this topic, and from 
that standpoint, Bullard is doing the Lord's work. This is what Javon Bullard said yesterday via Connor Raleigh, who videoed this. This is what Javon Bullard said yesterday about the fact that Ohio State will not shut up about the Peach Bowl. This is the hero of the game, Javon Bullard. I'm going to be honest. That play happened in December. You're still talking about it. That's really not my fault. Um, <laughs> uh, I, we moved on from that. We played a game after that. Uh, we're going into another season. That play's over, man. Uh, to be honest, I don't really have too much to say about that. It's over. It's done where we're looking on and preparing ourselves to count. Let me ask you an honest question. If you're a Georgia fan, I'm assuming you are, could you like Javon Bullard more than you already do? I mean, seriously. Could you like him more than you already do? This is an absolute alpha on the football field and clearly a wise sage off the field there as well. I love what he says. He says, if you're still talking about that play, at this point in time, that's not my fault. <laughs> like, if that's still the kind of thing that's keeping you up at night or the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning, if you're still talking about this, that's no longer my responsibility. That's sort of on you to decide if you're going to move on from this or not. That's sort of your responsibility here right now. And Javon Bullard could not be more right about that. I'd like to personally extend a thank you to him for ending what has been one of the dumbest offseason narratives that we've ever been forced to endure. The nonstop, incessant whining from Ohio State. And after Bullard said what he said yesterday, there is simply no more room for that. Javon Bullard gets the last word on that for sure. Now, to shift gears and talk about something completely different for a moment. Tomorrow, pretty big day around Dog Nation as five-star athlete K.J. Bolden gets ready to make his commitment decision. Now, i got to give K.J. a little bit of credit for something, and I'm not being funny or sarcastic or whatever else. KJ has made this feel like an event, and I know that's a little bit of a turnoff for some people. Some people don't like drama in recruiting. I've said a million times, I've got a very high tolerance for drama pre-National Signing Day. When you're leading up to all of this, I am fine with you kind of doing whatever theatrics you want to do because, honestly, my Saturday, tomorrow, it's like two weeks before the start of the high school season, you know, slightly less than a month before the start of the uh, college season, um, you know, my Saturday in kind of early August would be relatively boring, relatively, I don't even know what I'd be doing um, if not for this. All of a sudden, tomorrow night, I believe it's a 7.30 p.m. announcement. Uh, we'll be obviously live on video covering all of this. But even apart from like the work part of this, I'm just interested to hear what Bolden says. There's something about an announcement that's interesting, whether it's the commissioner reading a draft pick or a recruit, you know, choosing a school. There's just something really interesting about an announcement. I'm doing this. I'm going to this school or so-and-so is drafting so-and-so player. In sports, we just make a big deal about announcements. And tomorrow, Bolden is going to make his announcement. We've covered lots of recruiting announcements around Dog Nation over the years, but I don't know how many of them feel as interesting as this does. And no disrespect to KJ, who's obviously an outstanding player. I don't know that the impact on the field for Georgia kind of matches the the interest in the decision. And from that standpoint, you have to sort of credit KJ as a little bit of a showman here. We said this going back the other day that uh, that he's done a really good job of making Georgia feel like they're in it, making Florida State feel like it's in it, making Auburn certainly feel like it is in it. Um, he's done a really good job of kind of adding to the mystery and the intrigue when he had the interview with Jeff the other day. We'll hear from Jeff Sintel, of course, live about this in a moment. But, you know, he kind of dropped some nuggets that made you think, ooh, maybe he's going one way or maybe he's going another. And that's kind of before the big cat weekend when Auburn supposedly got involved in all of this. I, I guess by way of news here, and I know that Jeff's going to have some new 
stories with the K.J. Bolden camp that's going to be going up at dognation.com both today and this weekend leading into the announcement tomorrow night. But I saw where last night, I think it was yesterday, uh, I, th- I think it was yesterday, Bolden did an interview with 24-7 Sports and a couple of things from the interview, I don't have the audio or anything to play for you, but you know I'm sure you can find it if you want to check that out. I guess the most important piece of news that I saw that came out of the interview was Bolden said that he had never been silently committed anywhere, that there had been some chatter about that. And obviously, if you're a Georgia fan, maybe at one point in time you thought Bolden was a silent commitment to you. Where Colter, according to Bolden's own words, um, he said he had never been silently committed anywhere. And only, I guess it would have been yesterday, only that particular day, meaning Thursday, only that particular day did Bolden decide where he wanted to make his college decision. So apparently, according to KJ, that announced, that that decision was made yesterday and it had never been made at any point in time prior to that. Now, is that slightly contradictory compared to what he said the other day when he kind of thought his mind was made up and a coach changed his mind? Maybe so, but let's not ruin a good story here. Uh, it sort of seems like that, that Bolden has made a final decision and he says that's the only decision he's ever made, although last week sort of said some different stuff, but but whatever, it doesn't really matter. The point is there's still a lot of interest and intrigue in what Bolden's going to do. There was clearly some talk about Auburn. I, I guess the guy that asked the questions is an Auburn reporter, so there's a little bit of an Auburn uh, lean on this particular discussion. Clearly, Bolden had a good time at Big Cat uh, last weekend when the uh, receiver flipped from Alabama to Auburn. That was something that was really fun and exciting for Bolden to be a part of, and listen, I mean, you get that, right? You're you're around campus. There's a lot of energy around something like that, and you know, uh, you know, you have the notion of the visit high exists for a reason, and maybe that's all that was, or maybe it's a precursor to a commitment. I guess we'll find out on Saturday. But clearly, Bolden said some good things about his time at Auburn, and he also, you know, kind of you know, kind of alluded to what has been kind of kicked around in the recruiting process before, which is at one point in time, Florida State would have been viewed as a dream school by K.J. Bolden. That came up in this discussion there as well. Ultimately, why do Georgia fans feel good about Bolden? Because Bolden's been to Georgia so much, because Kirby Smart himself, the head coach, has been such a key and central figure in this recruitment the entire time. So there you have it. A lot of schools have reason to feel like they have a shot at this, and you'll credit K.J. Bolden for building a lot of interest in his decision. Probably the recruitment continues beyond tomorrow, no matter what happens. But in terms of kind of like old school, mysterious recruiting, soap opera style drama, we got some tomorrow night. And I have to confess, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger and we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch but we start even earlier than that 9 45 first and 15 dognation.com dog nation app uh, that's a special extra piece of content we give to those who watch our show on our own platform we just love doing all of that really appreciate all of you being a part of the program there as well even if you listen to the radio Athens sports radio 96 the ref or as a podcast apple spotify worldfamousdognation.com lots of ways to connect we're obviously well past now 2000 shows working on our next 2000 so we appreciate all the kind words here this week as we just show up every day and try to do our work and hopefully uh, people respond in a positive way. And we certainly appreciate all of you who've made the show a part of your life, whether it's something you've just recently started doing, been doing for a long time. We really appreciate all of that. Of course, the show today brought to you by Kroger. Now, later on in the show, we'll kind of give a shout out to Kroger here in a little bit about it as it relates to Kroger Chef Jr. I'm going to do that with Jake Fromm he's on the show here in a little bit. Our conversation and our reminder about the fun stuff coming up with Kroger Chef Jr. 
Uh, for now, though, let me remind you that you've got one final day. Today is the last day to get in on our Dog Nation Celebrating Outstanding Teachers Contest, courtesy of Kroger. My kids have been back to school for a couple of days. Other folks are kind of going back to school here right now. So I want to make sure you know that today is the absolute last day to make your nomination. And next week, once per day for the entirety of the week, we're going to be announcing a wonderful teacher and celebrating that teacher, courtesy of our friends at Kroger, because Kroger loves uh, our communities kind of getting back to school and all the energy and the excitement that exists around a brand new school year and the great teachers who make that true and make all of that possible. And we want to acknowledge them. I wish we could acknowledge all of them. I wish we could just do a big roll call of all the great teachers in kind of our listening audience area here. But we can at least do this for five next week, once uh, a day next week, celebrating an outstanding teacher courtesy of Kroger. And every one of those outstanding teachers is going to get a collection of four terrific gift cards, 100 bucks to Kroger, $50 to Home Chef and Bath and Body Works and Target. So it's a really cool you know, collection of gift cards to kind of help you with your you know back-to-school needs or kind of the stuff you need for your family because we know as the teachers get back to school, that's always a tough transition for the families of those teachers who, you know, you know, maybe you have to kind of sort of make, you know, uh, that process as smooth as it possibly can be. So Kroger understands all that there as well. And here's the cool thing there as well. In order to find out about these great teachers, we need a nomination from you in order to be able to do that. And if you nominate one of the teachers that ends up being our outstanding teacher winner, courtesy of Kroger, you yourself get to be a winner there as well. You'll get a $50 Kroger gift card and you'll get a uh, Dog Nation gift bag, which includes T-shirt and all kinds of really cool stuff like that. So that's our prize going in the direction of our nominators, those who nominate the teachers that end up winning. And as I said before, the teachers that we announce next week, courtesy of Kroger, get four outstanding gift cards. So make sure you check out all of that dognation.com for more details and to nominate an outstanding teacher courtesy of our friends at Kroger. All right, so that's that. Looking forward to a lot of fun. As I said before, uh, we'll uh, have Jake Fromm on the show a little bit later on. Fun conversation with Jake. We actually recorded this yesterday. I'm going to give a quick shout out to Jake Fromm. Like, Jake is just one of the best guys that you'll ever meet because Jake is in the middle of like NFL training camp and they're getting ready for their first preseason game next week. They're obviously, you know, practicing out there and you know, Jake's, you know, just in the middle of all of that. And he still takes time to join us here on Dog Nation Daily, which I am so thankful for. So really good stuff from Jake today on a couple of fronts. Yesterday at DogNation.com, Connor Raleigh had a wonderful practice report up from what happened there. And you should go to DogNation.com. You should seek it out and you should read it. Connor's really good at the practice report. I think all of us in life have things that we're good at. I am not good at practice report stuff. It's not one of my strengths necessarily. When I'm standing out there at practice, it feels like a thousand things are happening at once. And kind of chronicling it in a way that I can come back and tell you is not always it's just not always my strength necessarily hopefully I have strengths that's not one of mine but Connor is good at the practice report so you should read it online at dognation.com and one of the things that Connor had in his piece was a positive update on the early kind of development of Dominic Love at the transfer wide receiver in the uh in the Georgia offense and so with that in mind I talked to Jay yesterday in the recording that you'll see in a moment about Dominic Lovett, and Jake had some really good things to say about that, and Jake had some special insight on the Georgia quarterback situation from a guy who has actually been a part of a Georgia quarterback competition. This is new information, new stuff from Jake. We'll get that before we're done today. Can't wait for that as part of a Kroger Fresh Take. And we'll also get Jeff Sintel here in a moment there as well on the subject of UGA recruiting. That's all on the way here over the course of the next couple of minutes. For now, though, 
I want to go around the doghouse, and it's poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And, boy, we always love that Finish Long Drink as we kind of roll into a weekend. And speaking of the start of Georgia Fall Camp and kind of what's going on there, the evaluation of various position groups, I thought that Kirby Smart had something interesting to say about the running back spot. And this is where I might be a little bit guilty. I'm going to let you judge for yourself. And if you think this is true, you can tell me. And I will be more than happy to hear your feedback on that. I may be a little guilty here of reading into something that Kirby Smart says. But sometimes when Kirby Smart wants to praise something, he's more than happy to do it. Jake's actually going to talk about that here in a little bit too. The the willingness to kind of sort of say what he's saying and not always keep his cards as close to the vest as you might think. But when Kirby Smart kind of withholds some of that, I think that's also noticeable as well. Sometimes that's the dog that doesn't bark. And I think you kind of got some of that from Kirby Smart yesterday, maybe. Kirby was asked to kind of evaluate the running back spot, particular the emergence of Dejon Edwards, uh, Dejon Edwards, the the development of a pass-catching threat. We've said this over and over, that you go back and look at the best Georgia offenses in the smart era, it's James Cook catching the football. It's Kenny McIntosh catching the football. It's Sonny Michelle catching the football. Uh, it's a lot of guys catching the ball out of the backfield. So we've said it's important to kind of figure out who that guy is going to be for Georgia. So Kirby was kind of asked about the running back spot, generally speaking, with those two specific ideas kind of entered into it. Next step for Edwards kind of coming back from injury. Next step in trying to find a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, something that Georgia historically has really wanted to do with the Kirby Smart offenses. Kirby kind of gave you a kind of a full-fledged answer on this. Listen to what you do here and do me a favor. Listen here for a moment about what you don't hear and tell me if you think this is as noticeable as I do. Kirby on running backs from earlier this week. I think Andrew coming off the knee is where is he in terms of like catching the ball, uh, stamina, uh, burst, acceleration. Uh, Branson, when can we get him back? Obviously, Kendall and Dejan have the most experience. A guy who had a great offseason and put up really good numbers in the weight room is Cash. You know, Cash is maybe our fastest back. Um, pound for pound, he may be the strongest guy on the team, and uh, he, he his his unique ability is to catch the ball out of the backfield. But Dejan has got to be a guy that is consistent, stays healthy, durable, um, and be kind of the the the. I mean, he and Kendall both be the leader of that group in terms of the way they work, catch the ball out of the backfield. I'm just excited to see all those guys work. I don't know that we have a you know a superstar in the group. We've got a group that by committee does a tremendous job and they work really hard and they put the you know they put the team first all those guys play on special teams and they've been a huge help for for our, our special teams units so let me tell you what i hear and you tell me uh ba or you're all wet on this which is totally fine i hear kirby smart talk about being excited but what he says is I, i'm excited to see them work he didn't say i'm excited to see them play i'm excited to, I'm, I'm excited for y'all to see him about his running back room he says i'm excited to see them work i'm excited to see them and I, three things that he wants to see from his collection of running backs, being more consistent, being more durable, and really being strong leaders. And that's not me saying those guys don't have that or won't do that or whatever else. I'm not trying to come across this from like a negative way. But to me, I sort of take that statement from Kirby Smart about his running backs as a little bit of a challenge. Um, I sort of feel like Kirby Smart sort of holding back on a level of praise that he could give the scholarship guys in that particular discussion. 
as a way of saying, I want to see a little bit more work from these guys in terms of establishing the sort of things I think I need to see. If you want to be the target we throw to out of the backfield, then show me this, then show me this, then show me this, and maybe you can be what Kenny was a year ago, what James Cook became kind of a historic figure for doing at Georgia before that, and goodness knows Sonny Michel is you know, everybody's top shelf for what he did prior to that. You want to be the next in line on that? Then show me you can be consistent. Show me you can be durable. Show me you can be a leader in that room the way that maybe other running backs are. And so the Cash Jones part of this, maybe this should just be taken at face value. Cash Jones may be the next Lad McConkey or Javon Bullard or even kind of like A.D. Mitchell before that, sort of unheralded guy who became a real strong contributing player in the team. Maybe that's what Cash Jones is. Gosh knows, even on a team that's got 1,004 and five stars, there's also room for the walk-on or the unheralded prospect or whatever else. I mean, Georgia gives all these guys a shot to show what they're about, and if you're good enough, you're going to be on the field no matter what your recruiting accolades were or the absence of those recruiting accolades. Maybe Cash Jones is just the next version of that. It's at least a possibility because if Kirby says – you're the strongest guy on the team, pound for pound, and also maybe the fastest of uh, the running backs, whatever it was he said. Yeah, fastest running back, strong, one of the stronger guys in the team. Well, gosh, that sounds like a guy that probably should be playing if that be the case. So maybe that's the truth for Cash Jones. Maybe he's going to be the running back that Georgia plays, and they throw to him under the backfield, and he's the next version of this sort of unheralded guy who ends up being a, a, a really valuable contributor for UGA. We've had those on both sides of the ball now going back a number of years. Maybe Cash Jones is that. Or maybe the praise for Cash Jones kind of comes as a way of also kind of lighting the fire on that running back room to, you know, show me what you're about, show me what you can give me. Because let's face it, you go back to G-Day, this was the group we probably saw the least of. And that's nobody's fault, I don't think. I really don't think that's the case. But it's the one position group that we left spring practice either giving an I don't know to, a big question mark to, maybe an incomplete to. We just didn't know. And I think that Kirby Smart, in what he's telling you there, if my reading between the lines is fair here, I think what he's telling you is I still don't know. And I'm still looking to see how those guys work, how they develop. And apparently he says, hey, Cash Jones sitting kind of a high standard right now. Can the scholarship guys in that room, can they move above that standard? Can they, as I drop the elbow on the desk, can they can they move above that standard? Can they be more, uh, I guess, durable, consistent, show more leadership, and be the kind of guy that can be truly dependent on there at that position? I take that statement from Kirby Smart a little bit of a challenge to the Georgia running back room. You tell me if you agree with that. We'll make that around the doghouse. It's presented today by the Finnish Long Drink. And let me tell you, you're enjoying those final vestiges of summer out at the pool, playing some golf, going fishing, uh, whatever else, lake. You know, you've got all kinds of fun stuff going on. Well, when you're packing that cooler for the fun you're going to have, pack it with the finished long drink because I love and, – and I like the uh, video accompaniment we have here because you see that, like, glistening condensation just sort of dripping down the can. I love it when you get those finished long drink cans, like, ultra cold. I mean, in, in the summertime, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like you have the cold drink. But then you've got the ultra cold drink, the one that's like really just cold to the touch. You just love that. And when the finished long drink gets that cold in the can, you're talking about something really special, whether it's the cranberry or the original traditional flavor or what I love now, the peach-flavored version of the finished long drink. So many of you have kind of reached out and said, hey, B.A., this is a big part of my summer right now. Here in the Peach State, we love the peach-flavored version of the finished long drink. That might not be a surprise to you. 
we're having a great time with all of that. So if you want to find out where you can pick some up or where you can get your next batch, go to thelongdrink.com. You like mixed drinks? This is a ready-to-drink cocktail right there in the can. Not a beer. It looks like a beer because it comes in a can, but it's a ready-to-drink cocktail. So make sure you check it out online, thelongdrink.com. That's thelongdrink.com, and you can find more about that today and enjoy some. The Finnish Long Drink presenting Around the Doghouse to us here today. All right, so before we're done, as I said before, Jake from really good stuff, quarterback, uh, uh, Dominic Lovett, his potential emergence as a transfer wide receiver who the dogs could have big plans for, all of that's coming up. We're going to do the tiniest little bit on the latest in the conference expansion stuff. We're going to do that here. I promise we won't do very much, like three minutes at the most. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll do a couple of minutes on that here. We've got some really funny golden shoes today there as well. But for now, three big questions as it relates to Georgia uh, recruiting, starting with two big commitment announcements on tap for this weekend. What can we expect? Let's find out with Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Audience doesn't care about this. we got some new graphics here around Dog Nation. Look at that beautiful photo for Jeff Sintel inside Sanford Stadium. Got the football in his hand. Uh, upgrading our dr- graphics here for sure. Uh, but good to see a nice little photo there of uh, Jeff Sintel. Fun stuff on that. And uh, Jeff, I believe. Yeah, there we go. So good to have Jeff on the uh, program here today. And, uh, Jeff, you know the first question. You know what the conversation is going to center around. It is Saturday night. It is K.J. Bolden, the five-star athlete. Credit to him for, I think, you know, kind of making this feel like a little bit of an event. It's kind of an old-school recruiting thing here where we don't know what's going to happen. We're on 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 guard for whatever drama might occur. Probably continues beyond just Saturday, but the next phase of this goes down Saturday night. Give me your preview for how it all plays out here. Morning, Brandon. Uh, everybody's doing great. You know, everybody's trying to make this out to be something that I don't think it is. I think it's artificial. Like, like if you ask anybody that really knows recruiting, um, to ask them, when was the last time folks were surprised? I mean, really surprised, like out of left field. And I think it, most people should go, the correct answer would be the Eric Gilbert recruitment. That's when his mom didn't even know at the stand. And most of the insiders were probably thinking you're hedging maybe Alabama, maybe Clemson, maybe Florida. Uh, and he surprises most of the world by choosing LSU. That was a true stunner um, in recruiting. And I just don't see how K.J. Bolden's going to be this way. I, I don't. Um, you want to say that, oh, this is Jeff saying something really strong on a Friday, but I'll say it. I, don't, I think it would be a surprise to me if K.J. Bolden chose, chose another school aside from Georgia. That's where I would kind of lean today. I know when you're a recruiting reporter and the whole world's talking about this, it's kind of part of the job to share what you're thinking and in this day of nil who knows because lots of times these things can change but i i must have spoken to kj bolden maybe 20 times i think the first time i spoke to him was in january of 2021 i'd seen some film on him from that fall and this was at a hustling seven on seven practice and at that time you know there was a school that was his dream school then and he said, and he actually came out with it and said multiple times that Florida State was his dream school. But I've known for the longest time what he's wanted to do. He said he's wanted to find a school that stresses development. He's wanted to find a school that um, has the freshman a chance to play early. 
He's always wanted to be a wide receiver. He says wide receiver is the most fun part of football to play for him, even though a lot of folks tell him that his professional future is on on Sundays is as a safety. That's probably the right call right now, at least for right now. And you start thinking of all these things. I remember talking to him about how the excitement in his voice when Malachi Starks not only got on the field early at Georgia but was making plays left and right. And you heard that narrative this week about people telling out there maybe some negative recruiting that Georgia's defense is so hard to play for. And you can point to a guy like Malachi Starks as the antithesis of that. And this is an example of a five-star heralded guy from the state of Georgia coming in and being a plug-and-play freshman All-American at Georgia. He wants development. Brandon, last night on Happy Hour with Kaylee Mansell and yourself, I was trying to you know, make a point. I remember him saying a long time, and sometimes the, the, the things that kids say in the baby steps or the second quarters of their recruitment are the ones that they lean on. Um, I think Georgia got, was his second overall offer. I think a school like Auburn was at least maybe a year behind Georgia in terms of the offer. They've had they've had transition. And there's even funny stuff to this recruitment, Brandon. He said one time that, I know this, man, I'm never going to go to school, and you're gonna, I'm going to break a Brandon rule here, I'm never going to go to a school that doesn't have a Raising Cane's there because he yeah. loves Raising Cane's. And if you sit there, you internet sleuthers over there, you go to the Raising Cane's website, and you look for one in, Florida, in Tallahassee. Yeah, there's one in Tallahassee. Yes, there's one in Athens. Yes, there's, there's one in that. There's not one in Auburn. So you can sit there and you can think, is that just ink blocked? Is that stuff on the wall for the timeline and the history of the K.J. Bolden recruitment? And you really want to think about it, it would be a surprise if he chose anything else than Georgia because, well, what's Georgia got going for it? Probably the 16 visits would be the most um, any invested recruit by this coaching staff has made to Georgia, especially since they've won – two national championships or had the championship luster added to the program. The relationship with Kirby Smart, Georgia's going to get the development. Georgia's going to win. Georgia's going to get the NFL. The young man's going to Buford High School. He's accustomed to winning. I just think if you put everything in there and you crank it through the logic box in your head, you really have to think Georgia's still in a strong position right now. Hopefully, that's my ultimate stream of consciousness there, Brandon, on all things K.J. Bolden. Well, I appreciate the straightforward candor of basically you know predicting Bolden to go to Georgia I know Georgia fans like that because it's good news but I think they also like it because it's just really straightforward so I, I really appreciate that however I think what it also leads me to say though is is that the idea of when was the last time there was a true surprise I, I guess I would sort of squabble with that a little bit in the standpoint of in the NIL era that we do live in now there are I think surprises right I mean Coleman the receiver going to a the other day that was probably an NIL induced surprise uh, the defensive lineman going to South Carolina this week, that sort of felt like a little bit of an NIL-induced surprise. That, that you know, I think the reason why Georgia fans are as curious about this uh, Bolden announcement as they are is not because KJ is the make-or-break player one way or another about Georgia, what we hope is go for four and 24 by that point in time. You know, I don't think that Bolden's the make-or-break player about that one way or another, but I do think in a lot of ways, Bolden represents kind of a bellwether recruitment in, in two really important areas. One of those is, can Georgia get a player from Gwinnett County? You know, whatever the, the, the backstory is and, and whatever else, this is a bellwether of, can Georgia sort of finally break through? I've kind of jokingly said that, um, 
you know, the old drought breaker Theron Sapp, you know, for beating Tech way back in the 50s, whenever that was. This is the new version of the Georgia drought breaker, breaking kind of a, a drought in Gwinnett County if a guy like Bolden were to come to Georgia. So Georgia fans find this curious for that reason. And the other thing that I think the Georgia fans find curious about this, and I'm sort of speaking on behalf of a fan by saying this, is in some respects, this sort of shows you how much visits still matter. It used to be follow the visits was one of the most important, like uh, I guess, uh, maxims in all of uh, uh, axioms, whatever the word is, one of the most important kind of ideas and, 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 and beliefs in recruiting. If a guy visited somewhere 16 times, that really meant something. Or if a guy like K.J. Bolden had a really strong relationship with the head coach, historically that's really meant something. But in the NIL era, can all that be wiped away by you know one team coming in 11th hour and just money whipping you because they, they don't have other elite recruits to go after, so therefore they're going to throw it all at you. I think that's what Georgia fans are watching for here. We are led to believe that Georgia's been in a good spot for this the entire time. Georgia versus Ohio State or Georgia versus Florida State or now maybe Georgia versus Auburn, if that's the case. But it's sort of always been Georgia. So does the longstanding relationship, the presence of the visits, 16 of them, I believe, the presence of the strong relationship with Kirby Smart, a position that obviously you know he values because of his background as a player, does that still stuff still matter, or can it be just completely erased by NIL at the last minute? That's why Georgia fans are so interested in this, I believe. Well, I think it's not just the money whipping, Brandon. It's um, I think it's everything. Like the if if we're in a court of law here and we're trying to lay out the argument here and the debate here, it's not just that Georgia has NFL development. It's not just that Georgia is local. It's not just that the best relationship is Kirby Smart. It's not just that the visits are there. It's not that freshmen can play early. It, it, it's it's all of that, and it's like, does the money whip? Is it eighty? Is this the eighty foot Godzilla in this recruitment? You think about this. Where else could you get hands on development at this position better? You know, and there's even talk over the last week or so that hey, maybe KJ Bolden's going to get some receiver shine at Georgia too. Should he go there? But I'm going to put that on the shelf for a second, and I want to make this point clearly. NFL development, you can look at all this. But then his head coach, Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart was an all-SEC safety at Georgia. You look at Will Muschamp. Will Muschamp was a safety at Georgia. You look at Fran Brown. He's seen as one of the most um, up-and-coming great recruiters in college football. There's a lot there, Brandon. And I don't know if Auburn has the equivalence there whatsoever, especially for a defensive recruit. Now, does King Cash or King Collective reign supreme here? I think that's what's fascinating. And – I guess on your point, I don't think I'd use the word squabble. I would just say in terms of surprises on the Georgia sphere, the Georgia landscape, because Dylan Stewart and Mr. and uh, you know Cam Coleman weren't seen as guys that were on the way to Georgia or likely considered to Georgia. And I think I think that's a that's a factor where I see is a, a surprise, and you you can make the argument well Georgia probably wasn't the team for Arik Gilbert either, but that to me is an extreme shock with a player. Um, from the state of Georgia that had been to Georgia a lot of times and just decided to say no to Georgia and then eventually decided to say yes to Georgia. I think, I think it's a fascinating litmus test here about, you know, what's going to happen with NIL. Brandon, I think I've, whether it's on air or off air, I've made my opinion kind of clear is that if you're going to, if you're going to win a recruitment for KJ Bolden um, at the NIL table, then that's not the really way you're going to build a championship football team with all great respect to KJ Bolden. I don't think that's the way, personally, if you have NIL collective dollars 
Uh, I don't think that's where you need to earmark those dollars unless you have a fountain of limitless NIL, which I feel like nobody does even at this time. But, you know, there's a lot here about K.J. Bolden. I think the one thing that everyone's not thinking about, Brandon, if it's Georgia, then I don't think it's final. I think maybe Moy and I.O. might come. I think there might be more decisions left to be made, or at least people will continue to recruit K.J. Bolden. And you can best believe uh, if it's not Georgia, then that staff in Athens is just going to say, all right, we're going to fold up our cards, fold up our tents, and we'll go after the next five-star safety. So while August 5th feels like a finish line, especially sounds like a finish line as much as the K.J. Bolden family is kind of fatigued by this overwhelming recruiting stuff. You and I both know that the early signing period is still the final um, the final line to be crossed here in this recruitment. Uh, last thing on this, you can make this a one-word answer because I want to talk about uh, two other very important players here for a moment. Who is the biggest threat? Is it Auburn because of what they did last weekend? Is it Florida State because they've been more of a presence throughout the last, I guess, month or so? Well, I think it's Auburn. I mean, I think I think from what you hear, um, from what you hear, and I don't know whether it was Demarcus Riddick and now it's K.J. Bolden, but he's the number one guy on the, the, the Auburn board or the Auburn um, to-do list. And I think the resources behind it, Brandon and I lived in Alabama for like eight years, and I know um, every day is a competition between Auburn and Alabama, and I know what a momentum win this would be for Auburn to not just beat uh, Alabama for a player it wanted, but to beat Georgia in Georgia's backyard that Kirby Smart was so invested in. I think that's something that the War Eagle and the Tigers could rally around as they kind of try to play catch-up here where they're at least two or three years behind both Georgia and Alabama. Uh, let's move on to another commitment announcement taking place on Sunday, that for four-star running back Nate Frazier. And on Before the Hedges, presented by Kroger this past Wednesday, you reminded us of something really important about Frazier, which I think has to be a part of this discussion, which is that right now Frazier has an official visit scheduled to Georgia the week of the South Carolina game, but he's making his commitment announcement on Sunday. Now listen, I'm not that smart, but that feels like that could potentially be a little bit of a, of a foreshadowing of the announcement. Uh, I, I certainly don't take that as bad news if you're Georgia there. So does that tell you everything you need to know about how Frazier may go on Sunday? I think everything you need to know, to nutshell it, you've got that curious uh, future data point there. You've also got a tremendous amount of goodwill from Dwight Phillips and Chauncey Bowens socially and on social media when they discuss uh, when the subject of uh, uh, Georgia adding a third running back comes up. I think there's the NFL development. I don't think you see um, balancing or e- equitable um, love from Alabama commitments regarding Nate Frazier or Oregon or Texas A&M. Uh, I think those are a lot of points. And then it's the fact that, you know, Brandon, depth chart watching is pretty important here. And you see Kendall Milton and Dejon Edwards and, you know, that's at least two backs Georgia might, might, might lose to the NFL or might bid uh, finally off to the NFL. And I, I think a lot of those things, especially when you got Dwight Phillips, who could be a lot of places on the Georgia chessboard for a, for a whiz offensive coordinator like Mike Bobo. And then you've got Chauncey Bowens, who just recently bench-pressed 360 pounds. So that's a lot of strength there to go with like 10-8 speed and 220 pounds. And you've got the mercurial Dwight Phillips that I just mentioned. And then you can add a guy like Nate Frazier, who somehow have as the number one running back in the country. Brandon, we got to do our due diligence here. One thing that I forgot to mention in all this K.J. Bolden, Nate Frazier talk, 
Williams Winery. I'm, maybe that's your next question on it your is. doodle sheet to, it is. to get to me here. But if you want to talk top targets and you want to talk where you spend NIL, I think the trenches is where you need to go. And I think, um, I, man, I still have it on hedges for a reason. Like I said, with great respect for K.J. Bolden. I think football games continually have to be one up front. The more big people that can dominate you have, um, that's who you go get. And I think Williams and Winery is that type of guy. And he's, you know, everybody wants to say, what's Jeff going to say about Georgia will still go on? Or what's the narrative here about if Georgia doesn't get K.J. Bolden? Well, if Georgia doesn't get K.J. Bolden, the williams area recruitment becomes a lot more important because a lot of folks could argue that the more important chess piece for Georgia's future for go for four and 24 or go for five and 25 or whatever is a player, a dominating defensive lineman type like williams area. So I think as much as people want to focus on this is whether Auburn's going to have its chest out and be strutting like Ric Flair on, on Saturday night or whether – you know, kind of the, the universe makes sense and he kind of chooses Georgia for a lot of the reasons we've documented. I think no matter what happens on Saturday night, the focus will then shift to williams Winery, And that's a very important piece of Georgia's championship hopes. All right, let me future. let me finish on Frazier before we get to Winery because I do want to talk to you about that to close out our conversation. I mean, to me, if Georgia's running back trio for this class is a Dwight Phillips and a Chauncey Bowens, you add Frazier to that, Jeff – I just feel like that is a very successful pull for Georgia. I think that Frazier looks like a really good player. And to see Georgia with this level of running back recruiting, I think could be really exciting because I think you're talking about a variety of, of players. I mean, Phillips is one of the most athletic backs I've seen Georgia recruit, I think, quite some time. You know, Frazier's kind of the combination, I think, of you know, kind of everything there. And to me, you know, this trio, if you can kind of close it off with Frazier on Sunday night, you have really, I believe, breathed a lot of new life into the Georgia running back situation, I think. I think it changes it, Brandon. I'm going to say this, and, you know, Del McGee is an ace recruiter and always will be, but it gives Georgia more gassers, more home run hitters, more, I like to say this a lot, more explosive sticks of dynamite. And that room hasn't really quite had that. I think it would be a perfect, a perfect synergy, if you will, of guys that can um, – Gets the team up 21 points with, with all the speed Georgia has at receiver and their tight ends. What you going to do with a, a 10-2-4, a 10-1-5 and Dwight Phillips coming out of the backfield? One of a lot of those Kenny McIntosh and James Cook plays. And once the team's up 28 to nothing or 28 to seven, then you've got these bangers, these mashers like Bowens and Andrew Paul and Branson Robinson and Roderick Robinson, where you, a lot of defensive coordinators will cry uncle. They're going to cry uncle for the fact that Okay, I have an NLI player that I can that I can deal with Georgia's best receiver. I have another five star safety that I can deal with Georgia's tight end problem. And then you're like, I'm out of options. I don't have another athlete like that to cover this back out of the backfield. Uh, when I have to kind of worry about Georgia's speed in the slot now as well with guys like Anthony Evans and you know Nitro Showtime Tuggle outside, and you've got speed demons galore with like Zed Haynes all over the field. They don't have enough counters to what Georgia's going to have. And that's, in a lot of respects, Brandon, if we, if, we, if we went back to and we said, Brandon, what do you want Georgia's backfield to look like? You would want more of those old-school Warwick Dunn, those new-school James Cook types where Georgia can win in the passing game. They can win on third down by checking it down to the back and him making a couple of guys miss because there's nothing but green grass left there. I really think, and I'm very careful – 
because I know the fan base wants me to speak, wants a guy like myself to speak in player parallels, but Frazier has a lot of moxie to his game. He has a lot of good stuff to his game, enough where I feel comfortable saying you're going to see some Dwight DeAndre Swift-type flashes there and what he can bring to the table. And also he's been schooled at one of the preeminent top ten programs in the country and the nation in modern day out of Santa Ana. So he's used to big boy football. And uh, there's going to be a tremendous opportunity there should Georgia land Nate Frazier. All right, you mentioned williams area a moment ago. I want to finish with discussing that here right now. As someone who tries to follow this stuff closely, the best I can tell is Winery has now postponed his commitment announcement for the second time here. As a Georgia fan, I take that as, I guess, as good a news as you can get because if he were to commit today, I'm led to believe it would not be to Georgia. It would probably be, I guess, Missouri, who seems like, you know, they're kind of, you know, throwing all their eggs in the Winery basket here potentially. So tell me more about this. How much does a delayed announcement for Winery keep Georgia in this and give the dogs a chance to kind of wrestle themselves out in front of what is Missouri and I guess possibly Oklahoma too, although I have a hard time figuring out how Oklahoma factors into this right now themselves. So just tell me anything you want to about what the delay here for Winery maybe does for Georgia. Now, hold on, Brandon. You might have been enjoying the Marlowe's happy hour a little bit too much last night with Kaylee Mansell. Did you get the update last night that uh, Winery had, has now set a decision for the 14th of August? That's did, right, Do yeah. you have that information yet? That's right. That's what I'm yeah, leading so, into. The fact that it was supposed to be the 1st, then it was the 7th, I think, and now it's the 14th. Seems like that's been uh, postponed you know, a couple of times here. So uh, does that help Georgia? I mean, you just got to look at the ink blots. You got to look at the traffic here, Brandon. I mean, and I mean, to me, a significant part was that um, was that last visit that Winery took to Athens when he could he could sneak in before the the dead period came down. I think that was important. I think his visits so far have been important. You know, I've heard for a while that you've got spheres of influence. Let me say that very very casually that spheres of influence have maybe going in three different directions for Williams Winery. There's there's coaches. There's players there's parents there's mom there's 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 thoughts for oklahoma there's thoughts for missouri and then there's thoughts for georgia as well and again this is one of those things where georgia is going to come into this final exam here for williams winery as prepared as they can possibly be they tell him he's one of them um there's a guy like Jaden riddell in missouri that's recruiting heavily for the dogs as well here and if if it's a missouri if it's an oklahoma there's really one of those things where you go into the exam thinking, what else can Georgia do? Georgia has put together pretty much an airtight resume to win this recruitment. And it's one of those things, if you want to say money whipped again, like maybe we need to have a, a money whipped column sometimes for um, when we look back on the, the, the anatomy of Georgia's recruiting classes and who went where and who didn't go to Georgia. Well, sometimes that might be a new NIL factor where, where money whipped happens and, Brennan, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of share this. When I, when I speak candidly to recruits, a lot of them feel, especially at the highest level, that they're so talented that they can get to the NFL dream wherever they want to go. So it's not so much that it's, a, it's an extreme confidence in their skills. And for a lot of cases, players like Williams, one area might be right. I think, I think he could probably go to a Division II school or an Ivy League school and find his way to the NFL. He's so talented. It's just the preparation and being ready for the NFL that – the University of Georgia, I feel, and the SEC kind of sets itself apart. Um, great, great player, Brandon. I know lots of times people expect a guy in my position to hype up the latest and the greatest is indeed that without 
thinking about with the, the background and the perspective is, is this guy better than this guy, better than this guy? I think Williams Winery is truly a unique prospect, even with this sphere of guys that Georgia recruits every year. Uh, we'll have certainly plenty of time to talk about that over the course of the next couple of weeks. No doubt we will do that. Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger Today. We'll read a bunch from you next couple of days here at dognation.com. We'll talk to you on video tomorrow night one way or another uh, as Bolden gets ready to make his choice and hopefully celebrating good news if you're a Georgia fan anyway Sunday as it relates to Nate Frazier. Thanks for your time, and Jeff, it's a fun time of year as all these pieces start falling into place. Yeah, we might be done, Brandon, by September 1st, let me tell you that. So we're going to have to crank up a lot of 2025 talk. One shameless plug, shameful plug, whatever to say, I know I always try to tease and to plug what's coming down for Dog Nation today. I know it's a Friday. I know people say, we don't, people are at the beach or they're at the golf course and they don't read things on Friday. I'm going to put two very important reads on the KJ story on dognation.com today. One of them is a story that I bet you haven't read anywhere yet, and it kind of shows you guys how I see the K.J. Bolden story and its perspective and its totalitary. Nice. And then you'll have a lot of comments on Georgia and Georgia's chances in another story. Nice. I think if you put both of those two together, it gives everybody a better ground-level view of what to expect and maybe a lot of great, important background material for the decision to be made on Saturday. So watchdognation.com, you'll see a couple of Centel bylines on there, and the subject will be uh, K.J. Bolden, of course. So uh, look, at, look out for it. Watch it on social media because those will be coming soon today. Done and done, Jeff. Good stuff. Thanks so much. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Appreciate you, man. See you tomorrow. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, really good, fun time. And as I said before, uh, you know, one way or another, I think the Bolton's done a good job of making his announcement sort of feel like an event, and I'm kind of excited for it. So we'll see how it plays out. And nice to hear Jeff Sintel, if you're a Georgia fan, Jeff kind of laying it out in really as clear terms as possible that Jeff believes Bolton is Georgia, the Auburn, the Florida State, all of that has just been a smokescreen and a distraction from what apparently Jeff thinks was the destination the entire time. So you can't beat that in terms of kind of clear analysis ahead of the decision. And we'll tune in tomorrow night to find out if that is indeed true. And we'll also be tuning in in 2024 to some big things on the tap and the horizon for our friends at Royal Caribbean. Boy, what an exciting time. Debut of Icon of the Seas, January of 2024. You've heard me say that. Largest cruise ship at sea, redefining the cruise vacation experience. Jessica Slater can tell you all about a great travel agent, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Or email. We're giving the email out now, which I'm excited about. Slater at dreamvacations.com. Slater at dreamvacations.com. Now, to be honest with you, in addition to being excited about Icon of the Seas and kind of a lot of the new concepts it's introducing, I'm also excited about the next brand new Oasis class ship, which also debuts in July of 2024. That's Utopia of the Seas. And that's going to be sailing out of Port Canaveral. I sort of think of Port Canaveral as kind of my home port. That's where I do my cruising, typically speaking. And I love the idea that Royal Caribbean is really kind of setting a standard right now. They're going to dominate the short cruises, those three and the four-night cruises, with the biggest and best ships they have on offer, including our own Dog Nation cruise coming up in April on the Allure of the Seas. That's an Oasis-class ship. But then the brand-new Oasis-class ship, Utopia of the Seas, in July of 2024. So this is an exciting time to be looking at those shorter cruises. If you're a first-time cruiser, oftentimes it's the shorter cruises that end up being popular for the first-timers. Or if you're like me, you got kids and my daughter's gymnastics, my son's baseball, my wife's got a thousand things going on. Sometimes the shorter cruises 
just sort of fits our schedule a little bit better. So Royal Caribbean says when you want to take the shorter three or four night cruise, take the very best cruise you can have on a brand new Oasis class ship starting in July of 2024 or Allure of the Seas like our Dog Nation cruise is going to be. And of course, go to RoyalDogs.com for more information on that. I'm going to be brief because Jake Fromm is coming up in a moment, and that is always a great conversation. Let me, though, give you the latest on the uh, conference realignment stuff, and I won't do a ton on this necessarily, but the Arizona Board of Regents did meet yesterday. I guess there's no immediate resolution to this, but the conventional wisdom that I shared yesterday seems more true now than ever, which is Arizona is likely on its way out of the uh, Pac-12. That was always the next school likely to follow Colorado because they were the next rung up the ladder at the bottom of the pecking order in the Pac-12. If Colorado, the absolute bottom, leaves, then Arizona becomes the next bottom, and they're likely to leave too. But it seems like, as I also mentioned to you yesterday, maybe reluctantly, maybe you know, kind of unwillingly, Arizona State's going to be dragged out of this there as well. Their university president's kind of in love with the Pac-12. He kind of likes rubbing elbows with all the, you know, the sort of snobby, Stanford, Cal, academic, high-minded folks. He kind of likes the idea of being in the same room there, even though at one point in time the Simpsons <laughs> choked about Arizona State. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Arizona State sort of likes the idea of all of that, but they may end up getting dragged to the Big 12 because the Pac-12 is about not to exist. Of course, you know the overtures from the Big 10 towards Oregon, towards uh, Washington. It seems like some of that's getting more serious. Let me give you one final thought on all this for now. And we'll just sort of see where it goes after this. A lot of people are going to tell you that all of this, first of all, it does not look great for college sports. I kind of agree with that. Uh, but they're going to tell you it's really greed that's driving this, that that college football is being ruined by greed. And at first blush and at first glance, I totally understand why people would feel that way. This seems like a mad dash to grab some cash, right? It, it looks like greed is driving all of this. But I think the real truth is, is that the thing that's pushing the consolidation of college football into a couple of major conferences is really two things that have nothing to do with greed. It's arrogance and it's apathy. Arrogance on the part of the Pac-12 because they did have the Stanfords and the Cows and because they were, and really even like UCLA, USC, those are you know respected academic institutions there too. And somehow this academic prestige they had uh, mattered even when they weren't winning games in the football field. And to a certain extent, a lot of these sort of fancier academic type schools, these sort of pretentious blowhard kind of academic types, they have thought that that gave them a free pass in college athletics forever. And they don't have to try as hard as the other other brethren who are out there trying to compete in athletics because athletics is sort of a separate thing from academics. You know, there's academic excellence. There's nothing wrong with that. But athletic excellence is its own thing separate from that. And it's a different kind of pursuit to go out and pursue that. But a lot of schools in the football field, especially because that's what we're really talking about, have sort of thought, well, that doesn't matter because we're Vanderbilt or we're, you know, we're Northwestern or in the case of the Pac-12, we're Stanford, we're Cal or we're one of these schools that feels like we can rub elbows with Stanford and Cal. So they became apathetic in athletics. They weren't they weren't competing at the highest level. And in fact, apathetic may be the wrong word. How about an easier word to understand? They're just lazy. A lot of these academic high-minded ivory tower places are just lazy when it comes to sports they're happy to collect the checks but they don't do anything to earn the money so if you're a program that does have some athletic value of course you would distance yourself from these leeches of course you would uh of, you know these parasites uh, of, of course you would distance yourself from these schools who are more than happy to take your money that you earn via the 
the the the you know the respect you bring to the conference that you're in and then as they're cashing the check for the money that you earn say hey aren't you glad you get to hang around with us because we're so smart we're, we're research we're, we're good at we're good at books um of, of course if you're a program that has some athletic value eventually you'll just get tired of that and if you could distance yourself from that in the case of the pac-12 of course you would or some of these acc schools that may eventually distance themselves from some others if they have the contractual ability to do that of course you would it's not greed that's driving this it's it's arrogance for a lot of programs who convinced themselves it was okay to be lazy because the football factories would earn all the money. Well, eventually, of course, you get tired of that. And nobody tells you that because arrogant people very rarely know they're arrogant and lazy people very rarely realize they're lazy. But in this particular case, that's what's driving all of this. It gets blamed on greed, but it's the apathy and the arrogance of a lot of schools who've cashed checks and conferences for money they didn't earn that I think has created the frustration that's led to the consolidation we may see happening right now. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and we'll shift our gears back towards Georgia football right now with some really strong stuff from Jake with Jake Fromm as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, time for our Kroger Fresh Take as we bring in the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm, who's kind enough to spend some time with us in the midst of a busy uh, time for him going through training camp there with the Washington Commanders. Jake, uh, how is all of that going? I guess first and foremost, as you guys get ready for the upcoming season, you make a case for yourself there. Uh, Hopefully all of that's uh, working out pretty well here right now. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Um, Man, just, just grinding through it right in the middle of camp. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a, we have a long way to go, but, uh, excited to, uh, play in a few preseason games coming up. Um, and, uh, just trying to enjoy every little bit of it. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. Can't wait to uh, see all of that. And frankly, it's just kind of nice to have football back of any form or fashion, right? So, you know, the first football we get is that uh, NFL preseason. You know, we get high school coming up in a couple of weeks here, which is obviously really good. And then the college football is really kind of the last thing to start because we don't get that until the regular season begins begin uh, at the end of August and the beginning of September. So anything that sort of looks like 11 on 11 where guys are getting tackled to the ground, at this point in time, we're all so hungry for all this. We'll just sort of take anything we can get at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt about it. Anytime you can, can turn the TV on uh, and flip and find a channel and there's football on, it's a good time of the year. So I want to talk to you about this because this is something I bring up on the show from time to time, and I think there's a chance we may have mentioned this at, at, with each other at one point in time before. But if you go back to 2017 when you were kind of first coming into Georgia as a freshman, like Kirby kind of talked about you you know, a good bit uh, – as you were kind of going through, I guess, your first spring practice and during that summer there as well, you know, kind of always mentioning your name as a part of a quarterback competition, not to disrespect Jacob Eason or anything, but just kind of mentioning you as a guy who was making that a real competition and kind of, you know, making that a, you know, a real push, you know, to have a chance to play. And obviously that ended up working out very well for you in your true freshman season. Did you have a sense kind of early on that, you know, you did have a real chance? I mean, obviously you're an athlete, so you believe in yourself, but, you know, sometimes the, the, or is more open maybe than others like I guess how real did you perceive that to be before you came to Georgia or as you were maybe first getting to Georgia that you know what you know stepping out of high school here I actually do have a chance to insert myself into this competition yeah um you know it's kind of, kind of really tough I mean during the recruiting process um you really let on believe that you're really going to have a shot um you know, thankfully, I came in and enrolled early, which really gave me more of an opportunity and a better understanding of the offense and the way um, Coach Smart does things with this program. Um, 
But, you know, during the, during the spring, I mean, mostly I was running with the twos. Every now and then he would throw me a bone um, and let me run with the ones every now and then. Uh, but for the most part, you know, Jacob ran with the ones and I ran with the twos. Um, and, uh, I mean, we would just try to compete, um, you know, throughout every period um, and do better. But, um, you know, just always knew to, to stay ready and never knew when – uh, my opportunity was going to get called. I think the reason why I bring that up is, is because what I've sort of said as Georgia kind of goes through this with Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton, that while we sort of think of Kirby as the kind of coach who wants to play the cards close to the vest and not reveal more than he has to, the truth is, your career being an example of this, that if somebody's doing well, whether it be a guy like Brock who's making this real competition or someone like Carson who's earning the respect of his teammates, it sort of seems like Kirby probably doesn't always keep that kind of stuff a secret as much as some people think that he would, you know, would because, you know, uh, you know, obviously there's something to be benefited from just sort of saying out loud what we're seeing, what he's seeing there with his own eyes. And so I sort of think about that as we'll see this play out over the course of the next month, that if Carson's taking the reins, Kirby will probably admit that during some of these uh, press conferences that he does, or if Brock is really making his push, then it seems like Kirby Smart might go out there and say that as well. Do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, that's actually a very, very good take on your part. I mean, for the for the most part, I mean, in my opinion, I think uh, Kirby, for a lot of things, is an open book. Uh, will call things as he sees it. Um, you know, even to uh, the media space as well. Um, and then also too, sometimes he will throw things out there in the media to see how his players react hearing what he said if that makes sense hmm. um you know like hey if, if someone you know is getting praised hey how is he going to handle that um because you know that's a that, that would be an indicator of how he would handle it throughout the season um after a good game or something you know how is he going to handle it and go and respond the next week um and play and prepare for the next week's game so i mean there's, there's a lot of things um that that coach thinks about and does and says uh, for particular reasons, and you know, sometimes sometimes we figure things out, and sometimes we'll never know. The other thing that Kirby talked about uh, on Wednesday this week, when he was, you know, kind of giving his kickoff press conference, was wanting to see that quarterback have the command of the offense. We certainly understand that, you know. Jake, I think most of us sort of have an appreciation for how difficult it is to go out there and make throws and stand there knowing you're about to get you know drilled by some outside linebacker or something like that. Obviously, we know how tough that part of it is. But when it comes to understanding everything that needs to be known, maybe we don't fully appreciate that from time to time. I mean, you were playing at Georgia as a true freshman. Did you feel like you knew the offense? Did you feel like you had full command of all of that? And I guess – how difficult is the cognitive part of what we're going to ask a starting quarterback to do at this level? Yeah, I mean, there's so many things. I mean, I could go down the list. There's so many things um, that I believe get taken for granted um, from the quarterback position, um, just what they have to um, kind of deal and put up with, what they have to know, um, how they have to prepare. Um, I mean, you know, the weight of a program, the weight, of a franchise is on their shoulders um and not only do they have to be you know have to have the physical traits to go out and perform uh and make make plays at a high level uh but they also have to be uh cerebral as well um and they have to be emotionally in check as well um to be able to handle the roller coaster of the highs and the lows throughout the whole season so there's a lot of things that go on man and you want to um uh, especially during camp uh battle 
uh, with a quarterback and, and make them tough um, because the season's only going to be tougher. No doubt about that. I want to ask you about a Georgia player in particular that seems like he's gotten a little bit of buzz here to begin the uh, camp. Prior to that, let me remind folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily today. And don't forget this month, Kroger's got a lot of fun stuff coming up with Kroger Chef Jr. And during the month of August, uh, Kroger teaming up with the Atlanta Braves here for a special theme around Kroger Chef Jr. Making those chili slaw dogs here right now. A couple of different times for you to take advantage of that here this month. So go to the website, Kroger Chef Jr. That's the word Jr. spelled out, J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com. Find out when and where the uh, event's going to take place this month where you can be a part of making those chili slaw dogs with your child there. Don't forget, this month you get the special Braves-themed apron to go along with the other great gifts that Kroger gives you as a part of the Kroger Chef Jr. experience. It's just $7 per child, so find out more online. Once again, KrogerChefJr.com. That's J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. So, you know, Jay, we don't get to see very much of practice. There are m- m- portions of time when the media will, a little bit of, you know, uh, you know, eyes on everything you can get when you're out there like that. And one of the things we've read at DogNation.com last couple of days is it sounds like there's some interesting things happening around Dominic Lovett, the slot receiver who transferred in from uh, Missouri. And, you know, to me, he's a super fascinating player because this guy had nearly 900 yards receiving for Missouri a year ago. We didn't see a ton of him on G-Day. Part of me kind of wonders if they sort of intentionally kind of, you know, kept him under wraps, not to kind of show off what kind of weapon he might truly be. I know you've had some time to spend some time around the Georgia program. You've obviously been pretty busy with your own football career there as well. But how much of love it have you observed? Did you see him play, I guess, last year for Missouri? Have you seen him much around Athens? And just how valuable can a slot receiver like this be going on with all the other offensive weapons Georgia sort of has in place? Yeah, I've heard the uh, the buzz around him uh, as well uh, throughout the spring um, and throughout the summer. Uh, man, I, I think uh, their receiving core as a group, um, man, just keeps getting better and better and better. Um, and they're getting some, some really good recruits to come in that room uh, to compete and then also, too, in the transfer portal. So, um, you know, whoever is, is out there slinging the rock for him, um, I, I think he, he's going to have all the weapons in the world. Um, and then also with Brock Bowers, too, playing tight end. So, um, man, I, I, th- what they got going on right now is, is really special. Um, let's just kind of kind of see how it goes, and uh, hopefully they, they start clicking uh, fast and early throughout camp here. Jake, I love the conversation. Appreciate you making time for us on it because I know how busy you are right now. We keep rooting for you hard up there in D.C. Hope it all continues to go well, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Awesome, Brandon. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Hey, really good stuff from Jake Fromm there, as always. And speaking of good stuff, don't forget, we're only a few days away from one of the most fun events that takes place in Atlanta each and every year. I'm talking about the uh, Tour Championship at East Lake Golf Club, kind of the culmination of the PGA Tour playoffs that are kind of ongoing here during this late summer time of year. It's August 23rd through the 27th. you got a chance to be a part of this if you go to tourchampionship.com for more on that. That's tourchampionship.com. You can find out about how you can be a part of, whether it be regular grants passes or some hospitality type stuff and really take advantage of all the fun stuff that takes place not just watching the uh, great golf event as some of the top guys in the world the scotty shefflers and the john roms and the roy McElroys or ricky fowlers you know folks like that kind of go out there and try to 
you know, really win what has really turned out to be one of the great culminations of the uh, golf season there with the Tour Championship, but also take advantage of some of the local eats, uh, like Henri's Bakery on hand, Farm Burger, and, of course, some great cocktails as well, including the signature cocktail for the Tour Championship uh, event, the Calamity Jane, which, by the way, if you go to uh, uh, the East Lake like clubhouse they have like sort of an original version kind of the calamity jane putter which is kind of a cool thing to see uh but nonetheless it's the culmination of the fedex cup with the tour championship right there at east lake golf club go to tourchampionship.com for a lot more on that right before the start of the college football season we got the culmination of the pga tour playoffs the tour championship right there at east lake so check them out online tourchampionship.com for a lot more on that and as we close out one has kind of turned out to be a little bit of a marathon show uh let me give you a handful of golden shoes here a lot of fun to say goodbye to you on a friday dog nation daily presented by kroger we had the great uh sort of an old school throwback to uh a great boxing nights last Saturday night on Showtime as a uh, Frazier knocked out Spence and uh, our buddy Ryan Walker, who's a great sports fan, says, "Come October, Florida's going to get the same treatment that uh, Spence did. Bama's going to there as well." And you see the Florida Gator, lousy stinking Gator, if you will, down for the count after that. I should say, I said Frazier. I'm going to say Crawford, uh, uh, Terrence Crawford, the big knockout uh, blow there on Showtime this past Saturday. So that was a lot of fun and good job by Ryan Walker there on that. Uh, Bassin Dog shared this with us on um, earlier this week in celebration of our 2000th show. A throwback to Jeff and me at the uh, Rose Bowl in Pasadena. And one of the things I can't help but notice from Bassin Dog's picture is just how little gray hair I had back then. That's obviously a good number of years ago. Let me show you this next one here. That's the, the same picture the Bassin Dog sent. <laughs> with the picture of me from last Saturday. Now, I have been told that my hair is not actually as gray as it looks on the right side there, that the lighting uh, was not doing me any particular favors in that picture. But you want to talk about, you know, they always talk about how presidents age and things like that. <laughs> Look at what 2,000 shows have done to me. Uh, from a picture there in 2017, which would have been like, what, year two, moving into year three of our show, to the uh, picture there after uh, eight years of putting up with all y'all. A lot more... Gr- whether the, the, the lighting has kind of fouled me up or not, a lot more gray hair than they used to be. So we appreciate Bass and Dog there on that. How about our uh, next golden shoe to give out here? Bill Sanders, one of the first to use the hashtag go for three and 23. He says that he can smell football season. You better believe it's all on the way and go for three and 23 in full effect very soon. Bill, we're really excited about all of that. How about our next golden shoe here for today? Uh, Georgia on tap shared this with me the other day. An important reminder to give all of you. Today, I am told, is exactly 1,000 days since the last time that Florida beat Georgia. In a pandemic year of 2020, we don't even believe that counts. But nonetheless, uh, that was the last Florida win over Georgia. And it was exactly 1,000 days ago today. So congratulations and uh, best wishes to all who celebrate there on that. Frankie Fibonacci shared. We talked, uh, uh, I guess, this week about uh, the nice high and tight fade, almost a Stequavia-style fade uh, haircut there for uh, Carson Beck. And Frankie Fibonacci was joking about that there as well, calling it Beckwavius in honor of the Stetson Bennett haircut from last year. And I got to tell you, he looks pretty good. Uh, that is business-like and ready to roll for Carson Beck. We appreciate Frankie Fibonacci sharing us that photo. We'll give him a golden shoe there as well. And our next golden shoe goes to Army Dog, Charlie, uh, who we had some fun with Javon Bullard off the top. And Army Dog sh- shared this from Lance, who says he wants to make this into a meme. Javon Bullard celebrating with Kirby Smart, the Bullard quote, the fact that you're still talking about that play, that's on you. Well said by Javon Bullard. Uh, nicely shared by Lance and Army Dog Charlie, who shared it with me. And then finally, 
to our good friend Kaylee Manziel, who I actually just exchanged a little bit of a message with, who said to say hello to everybody on Dog Nation Daily. Uh, she celebrated last night her debut as the Dog Nation host for our Dog Nation Happy Hour, presented by Marlowe's Tavern, and she did a great job. And uh, we want to give a shout-out to her and a golden shoe coming her way there as well. So fun way to close out our week, lots of golden shoes. And with that, we'll get ready to say goodbye to you here on a Friday. So as Jeff Sintel said, DogNation.com and the Dog Nation video channel is going to be busy the next couple of days here. KJ Bolden tomorrow night. We're watching it closely. We'll have live coverage of all of that. And then, of course, on Sunday uh, for Nate Frazier there too, the four-star running back. Jeff's got a bunch of great stories coming there at DogNation.com. And who knows, if this show is just a little bit longer, we could take it all the way to Saturday night because it feels like feels like it's been a little bit of a marathon. Uh, we're going to try to tighten that up just a little bit. But, you know, we had... A lot of good topics. Uh, Jake from Jeff's Intel. I feel like we did right by, even if we were a little on the longer side today. Uh, but nonetheless, hope you're getting ready for a great weekend. And let me tell you who's not getting ready for a great weekend. That are, or is, that is, yeah, that is those lousy stinking gators. Whatever the, who knows, grammar's not my strong suit. Lousy stinking gators because it's been a thousand days, as what was said before, since they beat uh, Georgia. And in 85 days, they lose again. You love to think about that. And we'll see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We will talk to you then.